Hi guys, it's Jess. Welcome back to another episode of the Not Carrie Bradshaw podcast, where I discuss all things style, wellness, pop culture, and whatever else I feel like talking about from week to week. I am coming at you a little bit late because I took myself on a domestic, very safe, very uh, pandemic conscious vacation to LA, actually to visit former co-host Nikki Lauren. Hey, Nikki Lauren girl. This episode, I am so excited to give you guys a little bit of a lighthearted combo with one of my top five favorite people in the world, my good writer friend, sister friend, Courtney Cummings. This is someone who I talk to damn near all day, every day. She is one of the most thoughtful people that I know. And when I say thoughtful, I mean she is a critical thinker, which is why she's a phenomenal writer, why she is someone who I trust to bounce ideas off of, and someone who keeps me encouraged and laughing and has taught me so much about putting myself first, prioritizing um, my own desires, identifying my own desires, honestly. So I'm going to shut up and let us get right into the episode. I hope you guys enjoy this, given everything that is happening globally, and then, you know, whatever you individually might have going on in your life. I know that life is heavy right now, so I wanted to just give you guys something a little bit light. So we're talking um, three things that we nerd out about. One is like fantasy stuff. We are huge Game of Thrones fans. We recently watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy together. Um, The second thing is men. We nerd out about our thirst for men and we talk about what that desire means and why it's important for women to to discuss those things. And then lastly, we talk about fashion. We are both really into style, but also just the business of fashion and how it informs culture. So I hope you guys enjoy this and I will talk with you guys soon. Stay safe. Take care of you. It's a safe space. Hi, friend. I'm so happy to see your face. Hi. Um, I told my audience who you are already, but I would like for you to reintroduce yourself, insert relevant track there. Um, tell the good folks in the Not Carrie Bradshaw podcast audience who you are, what you be doing, and why you be doing it. Uh, well, I'm Courtney, and... I am currently a writer slash storyteller. You know, currently in 2021, I don't know why I'll be doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that uh, writing has just been something that I've always loved to do. Even when I was a child, I would walk around with journals and just write silly things. Harriet the Spy was my fun, my favorite movie. Um, and so it's just, you know, I like to get my thoughts out. Uh, even if no one reads them, I just like to get them out of my head. It makes me feel better. It makes me feel lighter. Uh, and I also like um, relatability. So the reason why I write, I think, 
um, and I had to ask myself this last year, is because I want people to feel related to mm-hmm. me or relatable. Uh, and I also like to speak and be in conversation with Black women. So um, a lot of my writing is culture-based. Um, so it is something that is important to me not to necessarily um, speak to in a way to black women, but more so with. So um, writing things that will uh, spark a conversation or you know that I can share with my my people who not aren't necessarily my people, but they feel um, what I'm saying, they can relate, et cetera. I think that's one of my favorite things about our friendship is that you are one of the most thoughtful people I know. And I don't mean thoughtful as in like, Bitch, you remember that my favorite flowers are lilies. <laughs> I mean, it's thoughtful as in like you enjoy critical thinking. Like most of our conversations are, bitch, have you ever thought about, okay, yes. And so did you, <laughs> you know, and I think that that's one of the fun things about having friends that are writers. We think a lot and that's why we write because mm-hmm. we need to get it out of our heads. Otherwise it's just like a jumbled mess. Mm-hmm. So I know for me, I was always doing the same thing. As a kid, I was always, always writing. I always carried a book and or a notebook or something with me. And the very first story that I had published, oh my God, I, I don't think I've ever shared this with you, actually. In all the time <laughs> we talk, I would write these stories when I was in like kindergarten. And it was just like, I would see the books that we were reading, like in our kindergarten class. And literally I would be like, I can totally do that. And so I would write books like, Molly the good jump roper and then like I would get like my other friends to like okay you add a paragraph and then like I'll oh, add that's amazing so I was like a little editor and then mm-hmm. my aunt um got one of my stories published in this like children's magazine and it was oh awesome. awesome yeah it was god awful but it was done but when it came time to thinking about that terrible question that black children get asked what do you want to do when you grow up I just always said the things that we're supposed to say as Black children. Right. I want to be a doctor. Singer, a- actress. You want to be a doctor. You want to be a lawyer. You want to be a judge. You want to be a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. The, the president. The, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's the things that like we feel like we're supposed to say to make our parents look good. I ain't going to hold you. I used to say that I wanted to be a princess. Courtney, that is the most you shit I ever heard. <laughs> That's the most like... That's the most you thing I have ever heard in my life. And that makes me so happy. So Courtney and I have a mutual love of the movie Pretty Woman. Mm. And we both walked away from that movie as, as, as we little girls mm-hmm. um, with very different perspectives on men. Courtney yes. bringing me along to be <laughs> more of a Vivian and less of a, I don't know, the receptionist at the hotel. Like I didn't even have a character with which to identify <laughs> in the movie. Cause I was just like very much voyeuristic. Like, oh, this is, the, you know, whatever. Courtney is constantly trying to get me to, to be more comfortable asking men for what I want to be more comfortable with men, period. I think mm-hmm. I've shared with my podcast audience that per my own romantic traumas, I think I just legit have like a phobia of men and that's fair though. I think that's yeah, fair. which, which makes it hard, you know, to find mm-hmm. partnership. If you, you know, want if to- you only want to interact with them, you know, like I don't even want to interact with you. So how am I find a partner? Exactly. Like Listen, baby, I know. told me last week before I went to LA, she's like, you do know that you have to talk to more men. 
if you're going to find a partner. And I was like, that do not sound right to me. It sounds ridiculous. It's a joke, which leads me into um, the first segment of this whole podcast episode is basically to give people a lighthearted glimpse into our many long text conversations. Courtney is somebody <laughs> who I talk to all day, every day. Um, and it's always about just interesting, fun things. Mm-hmm. And so we nerd out about three things. The first one being like fantasy. Um, we, Ooh. hello, we watched Lord of the Rings together uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago and we're just lusting over the elves. Um, mm. listen, a beautiful cast. Um, we also share- They're not interested in us, but you know, still you know, beautiful, but like still gorgeous. <laughs> a girl can look, a girl can dream. Right. Um, we also have a mutual love of Game of Thrones. So my first question mm. to you, who was your favorite Game of Thrones character? Oh. I'll give you top three. I'm gonna, okay. <laughs> this is hard to answer to you because- I think you already know those answers. I don't. And I don't think that you're going to like it. I don't know those answers. I know one okay. of them that I'm not going to like, but go ahead. Okay. So top three, I'll say top three. So my first one would be uh, Aria. Of course. Um, Mostly just because, yes, I feel like of all of the Stark children, her transition, um, she was always going to be a badass, right? Like we knew that from episode one. Um, but I think for me, watching her progression throughout the series was just so dope. Like the way she went from like, you know, being hard headed and not listening to just being stoic and like, no, this is exactly what I'm about to do. This is what I love. This is what, you know, like I'm about to kill this motherfucker. Like she was just very straightforward with her thinking and what she wanted to do. Uh, I'd say my... As an aside, when we think about her even having her list and the way that the list changed, it was she, Arya is hands down my favorite character. Mm -hmm. Um, We got to see, I think that that's indicative of like what a woman's life is if you're lucky, right? If If you're lucky enough to have your awareness activated and you learn who you are in conjunction with what exactly it is that you want and you just go head first at it. That was Aria, albeit... And learning the lessons along the way, right? Like 100%, albeit, you know, homicidal shit. It was still just (laughs) very much what she wanted to do and who she wanted to be. She became who she wanted to be. And I love the scene in the last season, which, you know, I absolutely hate. But the scene between her and Nymeria, her um, direwolf, where she says the line to Nymeria that Ned said to her, which is, "That's, that's just not you. Mm-hmm. You know, like she wanted her to come and be like a kind of wolf that she just was not meant to be. She wasn't mm-hmm. going to be lady. Okay. That's right. why lady got smoked off rip, you know, maybe literally season one, <laughs> episode two, <laughs> lady didn't make it out the gate. Okay. But you know, like, but to, to, to your point, I also feel like she, like that scene where she killed the phrase. Yes. Like. I don't think that was her either, but very much like the North remembers. This isn't me as a who I would be, who I grew up to be, but this is for my, this is my family, right? Like the Starks remember the North remembers, right? Like, I just think that she had such a good mental transition, in my opinion, um, from start to finish. I mean, Sansa too, like Sansa, I think obviously I hated that bitch. Girl. The way that my <laughs> work friends was like, 
okay, relax. I was like, no, I hate her. Like, mm-hmm. I hate this. But you know what she represented for me? She represented internalized misogyny for me. And I think that's 100%. why I struggled to even empathize with her. But she did have a great character development. Mm-hmm. I will say she's one of the ones who's where she ended, I was happy with. But okay, sorry. Right. I, I sorry. Took, of course, go ahead. Number two, it's okay. Number two uh, is Cersei. I knew it. Um, I, <laughs> I, do, I don't, <laughs> I think people, I, I think people, and I'm, and I'm one of those people, it was an article I read, um, a couple of weeks ago and I can't remember what platform it was on, but it was about how people can be fans of the bad guy. Yes. And I am that person. Right. So like I tend, and I don't, I didn't realize this though, until maybe like last year that I tend to gravitate towards the, you know, like the enemy or like the person who we're not supposed to like. But I think it's because with the reason why I like Cersei and and I think she was a horrible human being, but I liked that she played the game. Like she played the game of Thrones. Like she knew what to do. Um, All her children was dead and she still was like, no, like I'm still queen. Nobody's getting this right. Like, so I think, for me, it was, I, I have a fandom of her because she played the Game of Thrones. Um, and then I would say, I don't know if you have any feedback on I, that. You know, I, telling me. <laughs> I like, okay, I like villains from the Disney perspective. Like as an adult, I go back and I'm like, Maleficent was just minding her business though. Right. But I feel like Maleficent, the way they told her story though, was like, she's not really a bad guy. But do you see what I'm saying? Like in Sleeping mm-hmm. Beauty, of course, you know, yes. she's the villain. But then we see Maleficent, Maleficent. from the mm-hmm. other perspective. And it's like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Maybe not so bad. Right. And um, who else was it that I was like, you know what? Maybe we're not giving them a fair shake. I had like a running list in my mind of like, oh, Cruella DeVille. Let's hear her 100%. out. She's always been my favorite. Let's Legit. hear her out. You yeah. know, um, so I puppy really- killing the puppies aside, right? Like I, I love a good pup. I love a good pup. So I, that aside, we're not going along with puppy <laughs> murder. Okay, right. I'm just saying they mm-hmm. made a very good case for her with her movie. Right. And what I would love to see is more movies that are more focused from the other side, like from the mm-hmm. other perspective. Yeah. Like we talk about um, what's her ass from you know the Little Mermaid, but it's just like. Girl, did nobody tell you to sign over yourself for no man that you ain't even know like that? You knew him all of maybe three days? Like, what are we talking about? Oh, let me just give up my voice. But how many times, present day, okay, IRL, (laughs) are we seeing that happen? But you go ahead. (laughs) Go to your number two, number one. Um, Well, so I would say Arya is my number one. Two would be Cersei. And three, I'm trying to think who my third would be. I would say John just because I, I feel it. like, yeah. yeah, like I feel like just for me, John was, I liked him from episode one. Like I liked yeah. when they introduced him as part of the Stark family. I liked when, you know, he thought he was this badass, but then it was like, oh no, baby, you at the wall now, like you got to get your shit together. Um, I, I would say that he also, he fine. He fine. Um, you know what I mean? It's hard not to like. Let me tell you my favorite John that. Snow scene. Tell me. Bro, baby. Okay. Penultimate season. They do the flashback, the brand flashback. Yes. Okay. Where we're seeing the truth of like who his mom was. And Mm -hmm. they finally do the reveal, which everyone had known the whole time, which is that 
he's actually a uh, Targaryen, mm-hmm. which amounted to meaning nothing, all thing. Nothing. But and it was they, such a great setup. Such and a then great, they just they dropped the ball, baby. I wish they I could see it. right now. I'm just like pom- like hands over my eyes. Um, but <laughs> that when they switch back to the scene and the camera pans down mm. across his face. And he just mm. has like that John Snow smolder, baby. I got that that GIF um, saved in my phone. Is it GIF? Oh, I don't know. You know, I I, I just say GIF. <laughs> uh, hello, choosy moms choose GIF. I don't know. I don't care. Right. Uh, okay, I'm gonna tell you who. If I had a number two favorite, I haven't mm-hmm. thought about a number three for me. Right. My number two favorite is Marjorie Terrell. I had such high hopes mm. for Marjorie. Marjorie was a softer She's side. A bad bitch. She was a softer Cersei. She mm-hmm. like, when I tell you Elena Tyrell had mama trained up right, she mm-hmm. knew what to do. She knew how to use her sexuality. She mm-hmm. knew how to play dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, she would give you a very Marilyn Monroe kind of thing. She mm-hmm. knew what she was doing. I was devastated when she died because I had high hopes for her. That one shocked me. I ain't gonna yes. hold you. That one shocked yes. me. Um, I, so I'm curious. I mean, I don't want to dive off topic, but who is your least favorite? Oh my god! Oh, this is so random. This is so random. But it was one of the best Game of Thrones deaths. Lysa Aaron. Oh um, yes, 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 yes. As soon as, as soon. Let me tell you. So scandal and and Game of Thrones, maybe a little bit of how to get away with murder, have ruined me for watching regular movies tv yes. because i'm like that person needs to die and if it is, <laughs> this isn't game of thrones so it's not gonna happen and it's not scandal so it's not gonna happen right but i will be watching like um good girls and i'm like that bitch needs to die but it's like that's not gonna happen <sighs> but as soon as i said out my mouth that lisa aaron needed to die her ass and she got pushed right on that thing she was out that's um, amazing it's between her and Rob. Rob Stark was the downfall of House Stark. 100. We could all still be here were it not for the fact that he fell for an RN on the battlefield. And the thing is, is like she wasn't even that fine. She wasn't even that bad. The first girl that that the uncle ended up being with was so much cuter. Like you right. could have had a bad bitch. Right. <laughs> You lost a chance, baby, and you could have got the throne. But um, my least favorite is Danny. Okay, you and I have talked about about. Okay, (laughs) I want. I had so many moments where I was like standing up watching the show, like, "Bitch, you better go off!" Like, Mm -hmm. right? But then, as a black woman, I would get really uncomfortable with the white savior narrative that mm-hmm. made me really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that one of my friends pointed out to me, she's not a ruler. She is right. a conqueror. And mm-hmm. I was like, shit, we're never really going to see her grow beyond like this place. And she only listened to men. Ooh. And so it was like, yeah. And so it was just like, you're never going to, you can't rule the throne without having a nigga next to you telling you what needs to be done or advising you and I'm not even talking about Tyrion I'm talking about like the nigga she was fucking like <laughs> oh what should I do bitch he don't know he don't know bro can't even read right? <laughs> now that you mentioned that point because in the book too Jess like you know what I'm saying like it's just very much she's 
only listening to the men. Like she doesn't and, have her own. And I'm going to say too, to your point, that's exactly one of the things that I loved about Arya. Mm-hmm. Arya only had herself. Mm-hmm. Arya only had a version of herself that she was unfamiliar with. Arya couldn't use her own name. Sansa mm-hmm. had her beauty, had her name, had her uterus, you know, to fall back on. Danny had her beauty, had her name. Arya was really out there in the trenches. Like she mm-hmm. had to get it out the mud. Okay? And literally was like trying to get niggas to come too, but they wouldn't listen, right? Exactly. So it was like, oh, okay, well, you're going to get left. Exactly. I'm going. So no, I can I can fully understand that. And by the end, I was just like, okay, well, I'm done with this whore. Um, okay. <laughs> so which house would you be part of? I definitely think it would be House Stark. I would 100 percent be um a Tyrell. High Garden. High Garden High Garden had all the good food. Okay. They and they were, was rich. Wealth. Okay. Mm-hmm. The dresses were giving. The hairstyles were giving. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> send me to High Garden. Okay. I think I say how stark because I like I like them. Like I like them as a family. And but I you think you you wouldn't get to be in Winterfell. Winterfell fell like three times. Okay, wait. So are we talking about like in the series itself? Who would you want to be? Or are we talking about like if you were to be a house, period, who would you be? Because okay, we're talking like about Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I would love to say Gryffindor, but I know I'm not a Gryffindor bitch. I'm not that adventurous. <laughs> I'm Hufflepuff, ho. That's you know, like we keep it cute. We got some, we got some advice, but we we play it safe. Leave me at the house <laughs> while y'all go out and right. play bitch. Okay. I'm saying if you could drop yourself in the world of Westeros mm-hmm. and all things being held constant. Like if you could be left behind while the Game of Thrones was playing, if you okay. were a resident, who you would want to live there. Um, who was the, is it uh, Martells? The Martells? The, ty- the Martells lived in Sunspear. Right. I want people to be clear. Sunspear was not Dorne. Dorne was like overpopulated India. Sunspear right. with the water gardens and stuff. She was cute. Right. She was cute. I could see. I would do that. Yeah. I could see standing Sunspear. And mostly because the men were of color. The men were of color, and they were also and fine. Cash. <laughs> casual about about <laughs> sex. It right. Was, you know, everybody could get it in. Hey, hey. I think that would be me. I think that. Would, but I agree with you. If I were to, because I think Lady Tyrell um, also was like amazing to be you know like head of the house um I really loved her like she was and, and I love how she died I love the she way that they, they killed her off with dignity yeah. um so yes I would say either the Martells or the Tyrells okay all right um <laughs> you are huge in anime you have tried to bring me into that world I start and then I can't commit because I get so stressed out. Oh my God. So stressed out. You have very specific taste about sub versus dub. Yes. Tell the people why. So for me, English dub is very white. Um, and it also sounds like a cartoon. Like it sounds very like cartoonish. Yeah. It doesn't sound serious. They don't, it doesn't sound like this is, you know, what we're talking about. 
Yeah. Right. And so even though like a lot of anime, especially like the ones that I watch, like Shonen particularly, it, they can be cheeky, right? Like they can have jokes and be silly. Um, but when you hear it in English dub, it sounds ridiculous. Like it yeah. sounds like it's not supposed to be happening this way. Yeah. I also think because it is Japanese animation, like I just want to hear them speaking Japanese. <laughs> um, so, you know, for some reason, I just feel like it just does not make sense to me. Now, I will say, and we've talked about this, like Castlevania, like animes like that, I'm okay with dub. Um, and mostly I think it's because British actors are voicing them and they're like thespians. And so I feel like it's a little bit easier for me to digest. Um, but I ended up watching, um, remember I ended up watching uh, Zeus in, yeah. in sub. I was like, I can't do this shit. I was like, I can't. Got it. Do this, so. <laughs> Yeah, and I know what you mean about, like, the English, like, the American actors. It does sound very fake, put upon. Yeah. It's not giving what it's supposed to have gave. It's I not have, giving what it's supposed to give. Yeah, I definitely lean more towards the Netflix-style anime, which isn't the, you know... It's very... And it's, and it's also digestible. It's very, yeah. it's very easy to watch. Um, and I think, like, for me, because I when I was growing up, I watched anime but I was watching it on like Toonami because at the time there wasn't like a crunchy roll there wasn't a Funimation like you didn't have these platforms where you have access to a catalog um so I would watch it every day on Toonami which was an English uh, sub so the difference though is is that those older voice actors and actresses all did the same shows so you like when I was watching Sailor Moon I could it was fine like I did not have a problem with hearing that and then this actress went over here and did this show right so it was easier for me to kind of like put the same because in in anime and Japanese too they're the same a lot of times the same voice um for different characters and so it's like easier for you to kind of hear like your favorite actor you see your favorite actor in a show or something like that um so i think back in the day for me it was a little bit easier to watch um but as an adult now it's like i cannot i i don't know it just sounds really bad and then when i tell people to watch it in sub they tend to be like oh okay like i see the difference like I'm, I'm got it yeah. No, once you explained it to me like that, and then I was able to see like, oh, okay, Castlevania has like legit voice actors. So this sounds a little bit more like these people are in the studio acting. Acting, acting. literally. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know how much I love Castlevania. I might go back and rewatch Castlevania again. Did you I watch mean, season four? I watched the most recent one. The most recent one. Yeah. yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Cause you know me, I like to restart from the beginning and then. Which I did. I restarted that one so that I could watch all the way through the most recent season. And I mean, it was giving. Like I, I heard it was really good. I was really happy. I also went ahead and watched The Witcher, which I know you haven't watched yet. <laughs> I know me. I am a TV You're such a TV girl. girl. I love that. I do yeah. love that though. Because I'm not. And so it's like, it's really refreshing because my friend Key is the same way. Like when you guys, when a show come out, y'all watch it me it's like okay so next year <laughs> i'm like a little bit late on it but it's yeah. also because i'm watching other things right and because i watch anime in in sub in japanese i have to watch it right so it's not something i can listen to in the back or like you know so i end See, up being very invested i i have my shows that i listen to that i watch for white noise but mm-hmm. most of the things that i watch i watch because i want to mm-hmm. know what's so i'm one of I those 
that if I miss something, I'm gonna rewind it. I'm gonna rewind it. Yeah. yeah. And and if it was good, I'm rewinding it again because I want to see. Especially the certain <laughs> things, girl. Okay, which move which moves us on to um Oh, no, I want you to tell the people um, which anime cartoons you're watching right now that you're super into. Give recommendations. So currently, so I watch um, a lot that are happening now, right? Like they have current seasons happening. Um, so one of them is My Hero, My Hero Academia. So it's on season five currently happening. So I'm watching that. Um, I started watching One Piece again, which has been very like a very big investment for me because I think the reason why I have a hard time watching TV is because I get anxiety not knowing how it ends. And so that's why I end up watching a lot of the same stuff all the time. Yes. And One Piece is an ever going anime. It, it was it's it's a it's a manga, and so they have the anime to go with it, but it's still being produced. So there's over 900 episodes, like it's still coming out. And so it's been out and it's over 20 years old. And so it's really difficult because I don't know when it's going to end, but I feel okay watching it. So I'm watching that right now. I'm still in Alabasta. So we got a long ways to go. Um, I'm also watching a high, I want to make sure I'm saying this right. Hayaku? Hayaku? Um, it's about, it's about a volleyball team. Um, and it's like, so listen, I'm not really into sports anime like that, but my homegirl was like, Hey, my friend told me to watch this. Can you watch it with me? And I had started watching it like a couple years ago and just never finished. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll pick it back up. It's so good. And I literally am like already on season three. So I'm watching that. So I would say my recommendation for anyone that wants to get started, um, would be Hunter Hunter. That's my favorite all-time anime. It is not finished, but it doesn't need to be for you to enjoy it. Um, yeah, I would I would say that those are what I'm watching at the moment. And my major recommendation would be Hunter Hunter. Okay, love. The second thing that we nerd out about is these niggas, um, mm-hmm. aka men, because um, because mm-hmm. um, some of them ain't always niggas. Yeah, they're not always niggas. Um, so this, um, I feel like it's a safe space and time for <laughs> both of us to come out and reveal that we are hopelessly, utterly, devastatingly in love with Tom Hiddleston. Obsessed. It's kind of, I want to say that it's not a healthy obsession. It's for not me. for me. It's not for me. I'm not okay. Yeah. Because I don't know why came from and I love that we kind of collectively were like bitch I need to tell you something okay and it's like I think I'm into Tom Hiddleston it was like I'm glad you said it because I didn't know how to say it and so like we have a game and like have been yes I I have been into him since like Thor all that shit like I think he's fine I think you're into Loki I'm into Tom Hiddleston yes well, I'm into Tom Hiddleston as well, but I mean, like, I don't I, see it for Loki. I like Loki, um, I but I do think that Tom Hiddleston, just in general, is a delicious morsel. I I find him to be incredibly. Where amazing. did this come from in my life? Because you know, I love Marvel. Have watched every movie several times. And just never even looked at Tom Hiddleston. It was like, oh, that's Loki. I will give you, if I try to think about it, 
in like the two last Avengers movies in the like black mm-hmm. on black suit. I might give you that, but something about the wig. I'm just, it's the wig. It's a lot. I'm, the I, wig I'm a lot. not into the wig and how he's constantly slinging his hair back and forth like Willow Smith, but Tom Hiddleston, the actor, he like he's so he's good. good. He's, he's good. so good. Like, and you know, we prefer English actors anyway because mm-hmm. they're just so. Uh, um, and I mean, like TikTok, I think used some sort of sorcery, some sort of algorithm sorcery on me to like. I feel like that's where you turn the turn the. Yeah, like that's where you took a turn because I think then you got to see him in like so the reason why I liked him as Loki was because like I watched all those like Comic Cons um, and you know like I watched that kind of stuff and so to see him outside of like the Loki costume and like you know he's six foot two and like you know he was just fine and I was like oh shit he is fine like I find him to be attractive I like the way he speaks Um, I think you know what I mean? It's like everything, right? And so I don't know, honestly, because he's not your typical, he's not like a Henry Cobble, right? Like he, he's not exactly. what you would what you would think, like your typical, you know, like debonair white guy that you like, right? Like he's not that. And so I think it's a bit different for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> me, it's like Chris Hemsworth is an easy, mm. oh yeah, he's not. Mm. But for Tom Hiddleston, there's something, he just seems charming. He seems Mm -hmm. warm. He seems approachable. It's the smile. It's the voice. It's the way he can wear a suit. It's the way he walks. Everything. He seems like a genuinely nice, kind person. Mm -hmm. And where I am right now in my desire, it's, you know, we talk about this. That's what you like. Mm -hmm. I need to be physically attracted to you. But right after that, I really want to be with someone who is a kind and capable person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you and I talk a lot about gender roles, gender dynamics in relationships. And what I think a lot of times when we're describing like that kind of man, like the more quote unquote masculine man, what I think that we're talking about is a man who is capable. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be with a man who does not know how to just do things. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to hold your hand in life. Um, but like you mentioned earlier, it's because we're critical thinkers. And so it's hard to be with someone who isn't. Exactly. Or just doesn't, I don't want to say doesn't know, because I feel like I am a creature of research, right? Like I like to find things out, right? I'm not yeah. saying that. But what I mean is like, you have to be able to say, oh, this needs to be done. And so I'm going to do it, right? Yeah. Like, so I don't need you to be trying. No, no. Because if that happens to me, I'm going to just figure it out. Right. And like, if the apocalypse is happening, which the apocalypse is happening all around mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. I want to know that my partner is smart enough to like get vaccinated for one thing. <laughs> and, you know, if our car breaks down while we're like trying to cross the border into wherever the safe part of the world is, that like you have at least a loose understanding of how a car works. Cause I can't tell you shit besides Baby. like how to put gas in. Okay? I don't know how to change a tire. I don't know how to do none of that. So listen, very um stereotypically girly when it comes to that. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that a part of the draw of Tom Hiddleston for me is that he seems kind. And I mm-hmm. don't think that I have ever had the pleasure of being with a man who was just a kind person. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what's like really 
pushing me over the edge with him besides like TikTok conducting constant sorcery. <laughs> like I went and binge watched the night manager because I just needed to see more. Needed it. it. Needed it. <laughs> but you know what it is, is he's also, like you said, like he and able to show those different kinds of uh, I don't want to say personalities, but different type of traits in different characters, right? So like you're able to kind of see him go from this to this. And I find that to be attractive, especially like in actors, right? Like, like a Denzel, like he can go from, you know, John Q to training day, right? Like, it's like you, you like seeing that type of range. Range. Yeah. And he has the range. I like to see a man who has a range of emotions that he's comfortable exploring and expressing in a way that doesn't render us all deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I feel How like did we get here. Yeah, where you just be like, <laughs> I just asked if you wanted milk in your coffee. Right. And now we're in a weird place. And right. so how we arrived here but let's not you know like you know um and I think that's a part of like the draw for me but I have just been like confused but obsessed with fucking Tom Hiddleston Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of what's gonna happen if I see him on the street I feel like for me too once I saw that he was dating a black woman it like sealed my deal you know, we don't like to talk about the fact that he dated Taylor Swift and was a. And I won't. I won't talk about that. He won't. I don't yeah. refuse to acknowledge it. Yeah, um, no. I don't mm-hmm. believe in her as a person. So that he dated her, it just does not translate. It doesn't compute. I'm not going to do it. I don't even know who that is. Right. So, um, okay. I have a great game for us to play. Okay. Um, so we're going to take a little break here. And get recharged, and then we'll come right back to play this very fun game that you're going to love. And then, hey, I'm so excited! Yes, <laughs> stand by. <laughs> and we bait, right? Um, okay, so we're gonna play three rounds of the most problematic game ever well i'm sure there are worse um mary bang kill mm. number one <laughs> that, babe? tom hardy mm-hmm. tom hiddleston mm-hmm. henry cavill oh my god <laughs> my three favorite whites um okay Mary Tom Hiddleston. Yes. Bang Henry. Okay. And kill Tom Hardy. I would totally kill Henry. (laughs) I would totally kill Henry to bang Tom Hardy. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, though? I feel like I feel like I just want to see... Henry in action though. You want to I wouldn't want to kill yeah, like I wouldn't want to kill him before I figured out what was going on. Yeah, I would be willing to honestly just shoot him to the moon. <laughs> and like <laughs> to get to <laughs> I think that's fair. I think I am fair. a whore for Tom Hardy. I, I like, think that is he, fair. And especially it's not just his face, like he has a great face, don't get me wrong, but he is his swag is nice. 
and he's such a phenomenal actor mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. him in Peaky Blinders I can't even and you know my other bae in P- Killian Murphy mm-hmm. but specifically him in Peaky Blinders in Peaky Blinders right because yeah. the thing is is that he switches too much the he, look switches too much. Yes. Like I, I'm a fan of Tom Shelby, of Thomas Shelby, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm, necessarily mm-hmm, Killian mm-hmm. Murphy, although he's great as a performer in other things, but the sex appeal is with Tom Shelby. Giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing mm-hmm. is, I know that I still need to work on myself because I'm so painfully attracted to such a broken shell of a man in Thomas Shelby. Okay. <laughs> like what a train wreck but you know what though it's the walk the oh, suits the, walk. the way they fit the way he talks everything is there I, listen this is why we're fucked you know it's fine i, I can't okay. the world's ending anyway so it's like whatever just, Hello, like just, just go for everything right. round two all right edris yeah yeah denzel from the 90s oh bitch <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, 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 all right. Sorry. Okay. Hmm. I would marry Yaya. Yes. And I'm sorry, I would have to fuck Adris. I mean, I, no, I would have to kill Adris and fuck 90s um Denzel. I'm on board with this. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yikes niggas was just fine in the 90s like I just want to know what that's about we talk about this often where it's like God made limited edition men like we're never gonna see another (laughs) Teddy Pendergrass Mm -hmm. oh god Um, Mm. we'll never see another um Devontae Swain from the (laughs) 90s what what Excuse me? Yeah. Just so many fine dudes. And it's yeah. like dudes just like even me. but even just like a, a Morris chestnut or oh. like regular niggas, like a Morris chestnut or um who was the one that was God, whenever I do this, like I try to say it real fast and I always lose the name. The one that was in Love and Basketball and Omar Jews, Epps. Omar Epps. He was fine too when he was young. Regular nigga, fine. Regular nigga. Now fine. who else? Makai oh. Pfeiffer. Oh yes, they like. I just watched Makai Pfeiffer like current day. Um, when I was in LA, I was watching Nikki's Apple TV. Um, mm-hmm. hey Nikki girl, and <laughs> Makai Pfeiffer today. He just looks like a black man. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I think that that's my problem. I I just feel like you're you're not getting, we're not getting that today, mm-hmm. and, and and just like just a regular handsome face, right? Like it's I'm not asking you to be, you know, this like broadly built man or anything. Yeah. I'm talking about face. Like, give me cheeks, give me bone structure, skin. everything. Right? It's not. Ugh. One of my formative um, awakening moments, like I don't think that anybody in life comes to a fork in the road where they're told to choose men, women in between, like whatever you like, what you like. But I do very specifically remembering, I, I very specifically remember being a kid and watching Boys in the Hood on VHS that my dad recorded off of HBO to age myself, right? (laughs) 
And the scene in Boys in the Hood, Tony, Tony, Tony's, just me and you is playing. And they show Ricky, more chestnut. He does like a football, like hit, tackle, you know, I don't know, sports ball, something, some sports ball thing. Mm -hmm. And then he's in the locker room and he's in that towel and he lays down on that bench. I was a kid and I was like, (laughs) I like that. (laughs) <laughs> I like that right there. That's what I like. Like, I don't know what it is I like or what I want to do with it or what I like that though. Like it was yes. so fun. So I can concur. I when can I concur. listen to just me and you, it's just a vibe. Like mm-hmm. it's a vibe. Okay. Here, I, here. So, but is it because they're, is it because they're actors though? Cause like some, I was asking no. my mom this the other day. I was like, why are NFL players fine? I don't think that they all are. But it's a good majority. I think that a lot of them have good faces, right? I want to say, I think that money makes you look better in that you have access to good skincare and good food and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you take care of your body as an athlete. Mm -hmm. What I also think, though, is that back in the 90s, like, I can even remember my cousin's friends being fine. Like, I remember regular men just being Just being fine. Yes. Yeah. And it's like. To be fair, to be fair, we've got shit like smog and air pollution and the food is bad. So like, let's factor all those things in and just. But let me say this. Do you not feel like black women are consistently fine as hell though? Fine. Yeah. We're consistently fine as hell. But also here's another thing and statistics will show you that men don't go to the doctor. Like we, we consistently get fine because we take care of ourselves physically. Right. I think maybe the niggas just not taking care of themselves. Mm. That's something to think about. It's something to think about for sure, because, you know, we both would really love to have like the whole like black love thing, not in the cheesy, let's do skits on TikTok kind of way. But like, you know, I would love to have a black ass husband and some Mm -hmm. black ass babies. Right. Mm hmm. I just don't know where where regular, are they? Regular men are. I don't know where they are. <laughs> and I keep thinking, well, they have to eat. Why aren't they ever at the grocery <laughs> store? Am I not going to the right grocery store? It's right. I feel like I was telling you this the other day when we talk about desiring partnership with a cis het man, a cis het black man um, who isn't homophobic, who isn't transphobic um who's in therapy mm-hmm. who's not misogynist who's not a misogynist who mm-hmm. has you know a good job who's generous who's family oriented all these things it feels like we are describing a lord of the rings character mm-hmm. and i don't like that it feels like a fantasy i don't like it either like yeah. i want to have this belief in this faith that like you know he's out there because for a long time i did not think that I wanted partnership because I didn't think that was something that was available to me. I just mm-hmm. thought that I was missing a bone that everyone else had where it seemed like relationships were easy for everybody except for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had just resolved that I was never going to get with any guy who was any better than the guys who I had dated. And like, if you look back at my track record, it's like, bitch, do you have a thing for sociopaths? Like, three <laughs> of these people could quite possibly be serial killers. Like, this is a masochist. This is a masochist. Like, are you okay? And you loved this man? Like, you thought that you loved this man, you know, like Oof, that. Listen. And so 
from, you know, like years of therapy, which I'm still in and journaling and having friends like you to talk things through, I recognize that I do want partnership. It's just that I have never met the kind of man who can give me the kind of partnership that I want. And I thought that like, I did, I used to be like, oh, I don't know if I want to have kids. What it is, is that I had never met a man that made me that inspired that in me that yeah that I felt like that was a journey I actually wanted to go on with them Mm -hmm. so it's it's really hard to know and to say out loud that you want this thing that you can't really make happen Mm -hmm. like or that you can't even like I don't want to say um that you can't put a picture to mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. Because I think too, um, a lot, one of the things that I've been exploring more for the past couple of years has been desire yes, more so than anything. Um, and I think that, because there's a difference for me between what I want and what I desire, even though that sounds like the same thing. Okay. What I desire is, you know, this particular person or this particular thing or this particular scenario. Right. But on the surface, I know I want these things because I know it's attainable because I've seen it. Right. So it's like my desirability of like, you know, I, I'm, I too am like you, where it's like, I have had these examples of men, um, occasionally pop into my life or I've been partners with, or they're my friends or like whatever be the case. And so like, I've seen that, but I still haven't quite found, you know, like that golden ticket, right. That I desire. So it's like, I know I want these kind of base level things, but there's just like higher desire of what I aspire for in my partnership, my life partner. Right. Um, and I think that, I, I mean, and we talk about this a lot. I just feel like it's very, very sad that we even have to say things like, I'm, I'm describing an elf in Lord of the Rings when I yes. say that I want these basic, these are basic, things. <laughs> these are basic things. What, <laughs> what pisses me off so much. And I think that it's really important actually for women to talk about desire more. I think it's important for us to talk about thirst more. Mm-hmm. I think that women should have safe spaces where they can talk about sex more. You know, like mm-hmm. I have friends who I have been friends with for like two decades who I have never, they have never said anything to me about their sex lives at all. And I respect Mm -hmm. boundaries. If you're Mm -hmm. not, Mm -hmm. you know, comfortable, like sure. But from having conversations with women who were intellectually equally yoked, right. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about like sexual desire in this way. It really has helped me to form with more certainty Mm -hmm. who and what it is that I desire. Like I wish that I had known when I was younger that men don't inherently know what they're doing sexually. That's something that we're sold. And if I had have known earlier in life what sex was actually supposed to feel like for me as a woman, it would have saved me so much time because I've been been wasting time with these guys who didn't know what they were doing, Mm -hmm. but who I also allowed to kind of define my worthiness and it's like well they didn't know anything so why was I why were you you putting that onto them why was that's like that remember that scene where um Charlotte went to lunch with her married friends and she got drunk yes and she she was just like you know I just really want to be fucked you know so she's talking to her married friends who are probably Upper East Side dolls right and they're like Charlotte we're eating right yeah and they were like that's not appropriate that's not appropriate and she wasn't even saying anything she was just saying like I want to have sex with my husband it wasn't you know like this random person but I agree and you know I like I said when I have 
when I write or when I do certain things, that's what I like to do, right? Like I want us to be in conversation to explore our sexuality, right? Like explore what our desires are when it comes to partnership, be it with a man or a woman or whomever, right? right. Like I think that as women in particular, and I'm speaking to women, especially black women, we are indoctrined to believe, and it still happens today because of misogyny, but we are indoctrined to believe that any type of sexuality for your own pleasure is bad, right? Like that's not something that you should be doing. Like you should be- I don't even think that we're taught about our own pleasure. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Like I don't think that when you think about sex education, and I think about this a lot because you know, I obviously don't have kids, but I do have nieces and nephews Mm -hmm. and like biologically I have like you know my niece and I think all the time like she thinks that the sun shines out of my ass and I think all the time about what could someone have told me differently when I was younger about sex that would have made things different and so you have these shows now like Big Mouth and Sex Mm -hmm. Education which are talking about sex beyond biology and Mm -hmm. even the biology of how we learn sex was so it's so bad it makes it sound so terrible and tell me if, if you knew this, right? Like when we first learned about sex and we learned about like vaginal discharge, nobody really told us what it was supposed to look like though. Like what normal, quote unquote, normal discharge is supposed to look or like. Or that it was even supposed to be normal. That it was supposed to be normal. There were yeah. so many things that we were just taught kind of like surface or like mm-hmm. whatever. But I see these shows that are like tackling the, the biology of sex, Mm -hmm. but they're also really dissecting the emotional parts of it. And I just know that, and we talked about this before when we were younger Mm -hmm. and I know that I was having sex too young because I was not prepared for the emotional parts of it. I really didn't even want to do it the first time that I did it. Not that I was sexually assaulted, but I definitely Mm -hmm. like allowed, I know that I allowed my then boyfriend to pressure me into it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I I really thought that I was like doing something wrong by not wanting to have sex with him because it was just like how can you miss what you never had and even though I do remember early on in life like having those kinds of like you know fuzzy feelings or like Mm -hmm. desiring you know sex before I had it you know like you know that you want something but you don't really know what it is whatever but I just remember having just the wrong idea of sex and the wrong idea of you know, what it would mean if I didn't do it and and all this stuff, you know, like Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to handle it, but you fast forward. So you end up having like this very uninformed, unempowered sex for Mm -hmm. years, like as Mm -hmm. a woman. And I don't think that I started having empowered sex until very recently. Do you think though that that has to do with exploring your own sexual pleasures though? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I feel like, I mean, I, I personally have, uh, <laughs> and like, this is, it's, I don't know, but I personally knew what an orgasm felt like very early. On. I knew very um, late. Yeah. I so it's like very late. And I think for me, it was like an accident, right? Like I stumbled upon it. It was like something that happened and it was yeah. like, oh, like I, I want to know what that feels like again. Right. And so I think for me, it triggered early the desire for pleasure. And That's so it. I lead everything in pleasure. Right. So I think a lot of women 
and and I say black women because I'm a black woman, I speak to black women, but I think a lot of women in general need to learn self-pleasure, self-pleasure themselves. I would say early if you can, at least before you start having sex, um, you can experience what that's supposed to feel like. Because when you, then, when you have a, then when you have sex and it don't feel like what you made yourself experience, it's like, oh, I'm not doing this. Like, this is crazy. Exactly. (laughs) I wish that I had, but like, that was a conversation that I didn't know. And you also couldn't have, I couldn't have that you felt like you couldn't have with your friends. Right. But I don't know. Cause some of those same people, even now, like we don't talk about that. That's what I'm saying. Like you felt like you just, yeah. Yeah. It's like how Charlotte had like her different like groups of friends, but Mm -hmm. I can't even think like, you know, being like, in my teens and being like, do you masturbate? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know who. Oh, I couldn't listen. I mean, listen, I, even me just saying it right now on the podcast, there's a shame. You feel a little bit of shame. Right. Like you feel a little bit of shame to talk about, you know, you were masturbating at this age or, you know, like remember that, that viral video of that mom, you know, blasting her son for masturbating or pleasuring himself or whatever and like was making fun of him it was a couple it was like a week a couple weeks ago and I didn't share it I didn't like watch it because I was just like this I don't like this harmful it's harmful and it's also like you know who cares if he's a teenager and he's doing this he should be doing that because then now he understands what that feels like he understands what that pleasure is supposed to feel like and I think for women specifically because there's a lot of shame surrounding just sex in general and misogyny will teach you that sex is supposed to only be pleasurable to a man. Like you're yes. supposed to be seducing a man. You're supposed to be bringing him to climax or whatever, right? Like that's this whole example. thing. Here's an example. And I see this, it, this conversation resurfaces on Twitter every couple months. Cause you know, there's always like those ongoing conversations on Twitter. <laughs> One that surfaces every, every so often is like a man tries to like make fun of how a woman has sex or like a woman's sexual prowess when he's like, y'all be acting like y'all want to ride. And then like, you get up there and like scoot, like you like scooting in a chair. And I'm like, but that actually feels really good to us. Cause it's like clitoral my stimulation. Cl- my, my clitoris is right Yeah. There. But I remember <laughs> I, I, I started believing that, oh, we're not supposed to do that because it does mm-hmm. nothing for them. And it was like, but it feels good to you. So mm-hmm. why aren't you allowed to do something during sex that feels good just to you and like he can there are ways that he can also enjoy that but like that was one of those moments where I was like oh I fell for it like I fell for that belief like you Mm -hmm. shouldn't do self-serving things during sex and it's like but they're doing self-serving things all the time all the time walking talking other part of like (laughs) the maturity that Mm -hmm. needs to come along with sex where if we're not even mature enough to have a conversation about what we enjoy and don't enjoy we're not old enough to be doing this you know and that's the perspective that I wish I'd had and when I think about like I just I have learned to have so much compassion for my younger self for the things that I did not know and like the way that I was like giving men access to my body when I did not know better I feel a deep sense of sadness for that part of myself and it's a part of myself that I've really had to learn to soothe a lot mm-hmm. and to, to, 
you know, in therapy, there's this thing where they talk about like your, your little self and like, what would you, if you could visualize you talking to your little or self or your shadow work, yes, the shadow work of like, how, how would you, you know, and I've had to do a lot of like self-soothing because I felt shame for that. I felt Mm. like, you know, that I should have known better. And it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Um, but it is like this amount of shame that comes along with with all of that, with your sexuality as a woman, period. Period. It's so it's just such a struggle to come to a place of empowerment. Said all that to say, you have one more round. I um, do. Oh my god. Okay. Yes, you have one more round. Henry Golding, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Stephen Yun. Oh my god. Is this an Asian edition? Daniel Day Kim. Mm. Oh shit. Okay. Oh no, this one's really hard. I know. Okay. Okay. Mary, <laughs> Mary Stephen. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will have to kill the boy from uh, Crazy Rich Agents. Okay. I think. I think. I think. I don't know. That's really hard. It's a hard one. I actually would like to have sex with him too. I definitely love Steven. Like I love Steven. So that's no, you're obsessed with him. He, he's not going anywhere. Um, yeah, that's a hard one, Jess. I I might have to have sex with the one and then kill kill them after. Like it might have to be like a yeah. <laughs> in tandem kind of. Yes. Thing. <laughs> you get into some, um the um you know the anime that I wish they would make is the Oren Ishii. From Kill Bill. Yes, you do like that a lot. I really wish yeah. they would make that into like a whole, it could be a whole movie. It can be a series. Like just mm-hmm. give me more of that. I also really wish they would do a spinoff of Avatar where they track down um, the mom, where they track down the, the Fire Nation mom. Like I, because apparently they wrote out that storyline like in an actual comic. And there's this whole thing of like, she got tricked in that, that forest monster thing that mm-hmm. takes your face kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that happened. But I want to see that. Like I want them in, to in action. Yeah. And what's so crazy to me is that they keep doing this live action shit. I don't need everything to be like, like get, that. take the budget and do the animation. And like, even if you don't have the budget, you can take some of this, like, like Disney used to do, you take the same shots Right. And then just put the new face on there. Like if that's what you need to do, do it. But I, and I think that that's why I have such a hard time with like watching real stuff, because I think that especially like in the industry and I'm by no means in like the move, like into TV and movie industry, things like that, like maybe possibly like you, but I feel like they don't respect animation. No, I don't think animation gets taken seriously. And I'm an adult who loves cartoons. Yeah. Like, love. A lot of us are. Yeah. Um, especially like an adult cartoon. Oh, put it in my veins. Like, Honey, Invincible. Invincible. Harley Quinn. Rocked me. Yes. Harley Quinn's cartoon is mm-hmm. phenomenal. I've been going mm-hmm. back and watching um cartoons from my youth. Yeah. Like, you know, Batman the animated series. I just mm-hmm. really miss that 
style of animation. And it's just really fun to see like how men's suiting looked back then where mm-hmm. it was just like super broad and like, you know. <laughs> big ass shoulders and little- Big ass shoulders. Wait, so, cause I, I saw somebody tweet that yesterday where they were like, cause you know, they're doing a remake of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Which I'm not interested in. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. But somebody had put, this generation is obsessed with remaking things because they're not creative enough. See, I don't think that. I think that these kids, looking at TikTok alone, I think these kids are super creative. I think that they- I don't think it's the kids though. I'm talking about like, I think like the adults, like this generation of like producers, directors, you know, writers in those particular spaces, they're not being creative. Like you don't need to make a, you don't need to re-spin this. You don't need to make a remake. Like, why are you doing that? You know what? I was having this conversation on Twitter with Ryan Ken, who I love where he was talking about, they were saying that somebody was going to be the next Denzel. And he was like, you know, he, he doesn't like that, you know, the the next this or the next that. And from my perspective, I think that people think they want something new, but they want the new to feel familiar. Mm -hmm. So I think a part of Nicki Minaj's appeal was that she resembled a former Lil' Kim. Mm-hmm. It was something new, but there was a familiarity in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a very masculine thing too. that comparison thing. Like if you tell a man that you like something, they want you to list it. Yes. Like a top. I, I don't know why. Why do they need <laughs> to do that? It's so weird. It's like, oh, you know, I really like shoes. Well, who are your top five favorite designers? Literally a conversation that happened the other day. And I was just like, mm-hmm. Bitch, I don't fucking know. Like, right? I don't know. Twenty-one. I like things today that I didn't like five years ago, and it's things from five years ago that I wish would come back. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I hate when people. Everybody wants to compare Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Do you I'm think sorry, it's because? But do you think, I'm sorry, I cut you off, but do you think it's because men are creatures of habit? That's what I think. And who takes the most? Who who's the most in control of? film and television it's men and I just think that they are constantly looking for the safest bet and we know, uh, we're getting to that next that this <laughs> I do want to say I think that they always want to go with the safest bet because they know that Fresh Prince was a hit before and they feel like they can get at least the same money again if they just mm-hmm. redo it with the same formula but then look at like I didn't know that Clueless was basically Emma, the Jane mm-hmm. Austen. I was like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. It's, they don't even change a whole lot of things. Like if we look at like the teen movies from when we were coming up, she of them. at um, of course Clueless. Um, I'm drawing a blank on like, things I hate about you. And I mean, it was the same formula reworked over and over again. Like they were rooted in this like. Shakespearean or like Jane Austen kind of stuff and they but it was still the same formula it's like this person doesn't know that they're hot so let's show how they're hot and life gets better like it was and it was so whitewashed and it was you Mm -hmm. know these things and so I really think that that's why I I don't know that there's the creativity is out there, but I think the people get to make the decision. The people in the room that brave. Yeah the people in the room are not actually that brave. Right. Um which brings us to our next, um, you know, nerd out shit. Like we mm-hmm. both live and die for fashion, but more so, 
I think that we both love style more than fashion, but we both really love looking at like the business of fashion, the history Mm -hmm. of fashion. Like I am a lifelong student of fashion. I will forever be fascinated by the way it informs culture and by the way culture informs fashion and Mm -hmm. you know like the symbiotic relationship there how you can tell things about the economy based Mm -hmm. on how longer short skirts are you know Mm -hmm. all these things so you and I have similar thoughts on fast fashion but I want Mm -hmm. you to share yours because they've heard me babble on about it several (laughs) you know it's it's difficult for me because yes I am you know, a fan of fashion. I am a fan of style, but I'm also a fan of designers. Right. Um, and so it is difficult for me sometimes to have a fair view of fast, of fast fashion. Right. Um, so for me, I personally feel like economically, I don't like fast fashion. I think that it's eating away at the core of the earth, right? Like physically, literally like the biosystem of fast fashion, like the way that denim, like new denim is made, for example, they put plastic in it in in some of them. And so it doesn't biodegrade. So if you were to throw out a pair of jeans, they're they're not going to go anywhere. They're just going to stay denim, right? So I think for me, that's my biggest thing and gripe about fast fashion in terms of um, what it does to just the world and like the industry at large. Um, and also, cause I would, I would even say like this, the kind of pumping it out via sweatshops too, but like big names also use sweatshops for, uh, to save money. So it's like, it, it's, I think for me, fast fashion hurts my eyes in a way that they steal from people. Um, nothing and i and i understand like a, a a you know like spinning something and it's like okay this is too expensive so we're going to make something that's a little bit more affordable like i get that aspect too but then from the other side of it a designer out there spent a lot of time it takes a lot of time to create anything right like um it, particularly in fashion like i remember having to thinking that i wanted to do something like a clothing line or wanting to like create something and it was like bitch i don't even have the wherewithal to do half of what they they have to do and so i think for me i i look at both sides of the coin i think that there are places in fast fashion that you can shop get the look that you're looking for spend the money that you have to spend to get that look But then I also think that there are ethics in the other part of fast fashion that I'm just not a fan of. Um, And again, I think sometimes I think Zara does a good knockoff. I think that Aldo or, you know, like I I think they can do good knockoffs. Steve Madden has good knockoffs, right? So I think it's like, We're both with a knockoff, but we do not believe in counterfeit. A knockoff is fine. Let's be fair of something there's Mm -hmm. nothing new under the sun even designers who sit down and sketch they are unintentionally or intentionally referencing something that has previously existed like the world is Mm -hmm. old it's very hard to come Mm -hmm. up with something fantastically new even Mm -hmm. somebody like victor and rolf you know what i mean who do these like avant-garde or comte de garçon sure Mm -hmm. but we can find a reference if we Mm -hmm. look for it everything's a derivative but counterfeit counterfeit is where i draw the line don't give me no fake nothing 
Yeah, I don't like that. And I also, I mean, so like, and sometimes it depends, right? For me personally, it depends. If I know I can look at something and know that it's like a, a knockoff, I don't buy it, right? Oh. Like, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, oh, this looks like, you know, the Balenciaga shoe or, or this looks like, exactly. you know, a stod bag or something like that. I, I won't buy it. No, but, but I have my limits. Like, I will not get a quilted bag with a chain holder because it's just too it's Chanel Chanel it's yeah. knockoff no I, I'm not doing it you I, know so so yeah I'm I, again I think to my my major point I think and takeaway from fast fashion is I believe that you can achieve the look that you want to achieve and still spend the money that you have to spend to get that um by going to places that are fast fashion but you know they're they're doing it in a way to me that is like okay, this is still uniquely made. It's not necessarily a knockoff off to something. Now, I'm also one of those people though, that is, I'm going to buy whatever I need to achieve the look that I'm going for. So if that means that I have to go into Rainbow and get a crop top for $10 because I want to wear it under this dress or I want to do like something, I'll do that. Um, Or, you know, like I buy a lot of dresses from Zara because of the volume. I like the way that they look um, in terms of size or like they have a different kind of collar. There's something about it that I like that has a different kind of style. So I'll buy it. But I think, you know, I, I, I like places like Shine. I don't even know. Is it Shine or how do you say it? Girl, I'm going to tell you, I had a moment the other day where somebody was wearing a dress that I really, no tea, no shade. I actually really, really liked it. And somebody asked, like, oh, where'd you get it? And she's like, um, she said Shein. I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't know how you say it. Shein, Shein, whatever. And I, of course, I didn't say anything. I, you know, I don't judge people. I can't count the money in your pocket. I don't do that. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, do you shop there too? And I was like, no. Mm -mm. And I was like very careful to make sure that I didn't say it in a way that was condescending, but Mm -hmm. it still came out that way. But for me, it just really felt like, why? You know what why? I mean? Like, why? And again, it's like, for me, I think about it, like places like Shine, places like, um, what's that other one? Uh, Fashion Nova. I think about them ethically, right? Like for me, it's an ethics thing. And it also is, um, I don't like to wear things that will depreciate. Basically, I don't want to wear something like I, when I was younger, I would wear Forever 21 or like if I needed a quick dress for brunch, you know, like I could run in there real quick and get something right. And I know that I wear it the one time and it's done, right? Like I am okay with that. If I know that I have to throw it away, I spent a little bit of money on that. That's fine. But I'm not having a haul at Shine, right? right? Like, and it's not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but it's because you've spent now all that money, right? To, and I'm mostly talking to the rich girls who do this shit on TikTok and like, you know, on Instagram, they do these hauls where they shop at these fast fashion places and they spend like a thousand dollars. And it's like, how do you <laughs> manage to spend that much on this site? Like, did you buy the site? Right. But also like, do you understand what you're paying for? Like, do you, do you even get what you're like That's attributing what- to or like- <laughs> Exactly. That's a part of my thing of like, 
it's the consumerism of it mm -hmm. for me. I am not a person who, I, I like to have a wardrobe that I can mix and match. I love to rework Thanks. my clothes. Me if too. I think of a way to rework something with like a different shoe, a different top, a different accessory, a different body, you know, out here, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I'm going to do that. I believe in shopping with intention. I think mm -hmm. that when you go out and you have to have a new something for everything, I don't think that you're necessarily shopping for yourself anymore. Oh, I think no. shopping in order for like for the Instagram picture, you're 100. not this doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like this is necessarily for you. You just want to be able to say that you put on something new. Mm -hmm. You just want to be able to get the Instagram photo. And I want for style to be personal. I want it to be you wearing what you really like. And it isn't really about what other people think of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's my philosophy on style that gets really like lost in yes. what happens now because a lot of times I will get a picture of an outfit that I'm going to wear out before mm -hmm. I ever wear it out because I don't like being out and having to worry about, can somebody get a picture of me? I don't yes. like that. I don't like being that friend. I don't like being the, can you get it? And I have to sometimes because content, because- I was going to say, I think so too. It's a lot of like content now, right? Yeah. Like now it's real heavy on like content. Exactly. And I don't want- to be led by that, you know, mm -hmm. like as a content creator, I still am a real and whole person who has real and whole ass bills. And Maybe. so I'm about to do that. I'm not about to play this game with y'all. There's a girl, a black girl from Switzerland um, on Instagram that I like. I, love um, I think you probably follow her. Yeah. Um, I like her a lot because she repeats pieces, right? I like wisdom too. Um, is that his name? Wisdom or no, wait. Uh, yeah, Wisdom. The anime guy? Yeah, on TikTok. I love him. Obsessed. And I like them because they are creating content, but they're still creating content that is fashionable, stylish. But bitch, I, I'm just gonna mix and match what I already have in my closet. Or yes, I did go out and get this fabulous piece. It is something that's completely different. I got this, like, you know, because I think, you know, for people, and I also feel like it's an investment, right? Like I think as I've gotten older, I've I've done more investment pieces mm -hmm. with obviously what I can afford, and sometimes I can't afford it, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, and I, so I think it's like, you know, just like investing in your closet, and even if it's not something that's super expensive, because like my favorite pair of pants, they're these blue parachute pants. I bought them for $10 at Marshall's and I love them, right? They're so comfortable. I like to wear them with different things, right? And so I think it's more about not even just spending thousands of dollars or spending yeah. hundreds of dollars. I think it's just more about finding those pieces and shopping with intention. And like you said, but I, I will say though, the pandemic kind of, kind of fucked me up because I don't try anything on at stores. Oh, I do. Um, I yeah. I love a good dressing room. I love yeah. room. I love a good sales associate who knows what they're doing and like wants to help you. That's why I stay at Aritzia. Like they are mm -hmm. so invested in you liking yourself. Like I love that whole experience. Mm -hmm. I And, you know, and I think, I don't want to say I don't. I think because I worked in retail for so long and, um, you know, like retail management, particularly, I like to get in and get out. Like, I don't want you to really like, unless it's a, unless 
unless I'm out here having a shopping experience, right? Like I'm looking for a dress for a wedding or I like, you know, I'm doing whatever. It's like, fine. I'm fine with that. But I don't, I, I get in my zone. I see what I like. I pick it up. Now I'm to the point where I buy everything, go home, try it on, whatever I don't like, I take it back. Right. Like that's what I, that's how I shop these days. Um, but I, you know, I think with, fast fashion, buy what you can afford, obviously, like do it, do what you can. But I also feel like if you see that, you know, a company like Shine has a phone case that is a depiction of a black person being killed and outlined and a cop is in the background, you don't, that doesn't give you pause. Like that doesn't make you say, you know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't make you say like, maybe I shouldn't fuck with this. But, you know, people don't care. People like, you know, cancel culture culture isn't real unless it's pertaining to certain black women. Um, and so it's like, you know, they just kind of oh, well, whatever. Right. Like, oh, OK, well, I, I got these five outfits for ten dollars. And it's like, OK, girl. So, you know, do your thing. And so I can't judge anybody for that. But I just feel like there's just I think because we are creatures of something and love this particular thing, it's not just, you know, going out and purchasing something or, you know, we're not looking at something with the same eye as somebody else who's going to buy this thing. Uh, It can be a bit difficult. And like, you know, sometimes like, it's like, no, I like the short set. That's why I bought it. You know what I mean? It's, it has nothing to do with, you know, thinking about the company as a whole. Which is fair. I think there's so much, especially right now, and it maybe should have always been this way, but there's so much to consider in everything that we do now, right? Like you have to be so in so much more intentional about things now, about the things that you say. And that can honestly feel crippling like as a creative because I just don't ever want to put anything into the world that harms anyone. Mm-hmm. But to have an opinion and to voice it is going to do someone some harm, right? 100%. I do think that we have to pick and choose like where we're willing to like stand our ground. And mm-hmm. some people don't care enough about style, fashion, the environment to take that stand there. 100%. But I think where it becomes troubling for me is where I'm like, well, where are you willing to take a stand? Because I can understand if you this doesn't stand for nothing, you fall for anything. Like, yeah, like what's I understand up? if like this dress isn't where you want to draw the line. Great. Where are you willing to draw the line? You know, and I'm seeing so much of that like right now with like the apocalypse that we're living through. It's like people people are very accepting of a lot and people celebrate trash. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I don't just mean like other people's trauma. Yeah. I don't just mean reality TV. I mean, some of the things that I see people really go up for is like the tackiest shit. Mm -hmm. And you'll be like the best dress looks. I'm like, what? uh, What? (laughs) This is just spandex. Oh, she ate. And they put some stones on it. Like, what are we talking about? I can't even listen. She killed this. She ate. And it's like, babe. But remember I told you, remember I told you, like, we wore some shit in the early 2000s. Yes. Right. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to look at it from a perspective of I'm letting the kids have their fads, right? I'm letting the kids have not even necessarily trends, right? Like, but a fad. Sure. But I also think, though, and like you said earlier, the fashion moves with the times. They create and shit. This is this is surgery couture. Like this is that's it. BBL couture, right? And so we're going to. It's very hard now to look at the world and have and see one 
dominant style of dress, especially living in New York. There is no one, if you look at a picture from the 60s, you know that it's the 60s, right? Mm -hmm. But you could look at a picture, if you walked around like Central Park and you took a picture of a hundred people, you would see four different seasons. Mm -hmm. You would see several different decades. There's no one dominant, you know, thing right now, but I think that culturally what we can pull out of this moment to your point is that a lot of stuff is styled around body enhancement. And mm-hmm. I love Meg has a line in one of her songs where she says them cheap ass clothes only fit fake asses. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That is not for like no, if no. you sneeze, your whole labia is going to be out. If a strong gust of wind comes <laughs> through, it's going to blow your sheen. Sh- I'm not putting on anything that I have to tug at all day. Okay. I'm not doing that. And I think that's also a thing with age. It's like, I want to be comfortable. And if I have to like pull down and pull up and readjust, like all day, no. I'm not constantly checking my titties, bro. Oh my I'm God. I'm not doing it. Like girl, and after I first got my breast reduction, it's like you're, you don't have like all of your nerves haven't regenerated. Mm-hmm. So, so was, you don't even know. Yeah. So I was like in a constant state. It was just like my nipple would be out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I couldn't feel anything. So I would be like, oh shit, you know. Um, okay. So we've been talking forever because you know how- Sorry. No, yeah. I'm also going to call you after this because we have things to discuss. But right. um, what do you want my audience to know about you, about themselves? What's your, what did Jerry Springer used to have? What's your final thought? Ah, I don't know what my final thought would be. I think my- you know what? Actually, I do. I want your listeners, be it man, woman, or they, he, she, they, to just explore your desires more um, and be open to that and be open to the fact that um, if you can't share it with your closest, um, evaluate what that means. Evaluate what that means to you. Uh, Is that something that's of importance to you? I know for me, the circle is tight and it gets smaller and tighter um, as my years progress. And I feel that every space that I'm in is safe, right? I don't have um, one particular group that's like, oh, I can't talk to her. I can't do this or I can't do that. Um, And even in dating or going out into the world, just being intentionally with everything that you do just be intentional, intentional with everything that you do. I think, um, especially when it comes to self, I think a lot of times we're stretched, especially going through an apocalypse currently, right? Like we're stretched in so many different directions and we're actually supposed to just wake up and go on. Like we're supposed to still like, you know, get up and go to work and, you know, still do these things. And it can be very draining and very tolling. Um, so take a moment to just breathe, Um, And reflect, like I said, on your circle and who is around. Um, Take a look at your personal desires. Explore pleasure more. Um, You know, like see what it is that you like and be upfront and assertive about those things. And and I mean that in every relationship, whether it's somebody that you just fucking or somebody that you're dating or some of your friends, like be assertive in your feeling. Um, I feel like that's one of the, I've always been like that, but I think that that's one thing that I've really been reflecting on for the past couple of years is just being like, no, I don't like that. So we're not going to do that. 
right? So just being, being very honest. In your own life. I, 100. I find myself being a passenger way too often. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I should have said something. Yeah. Yeah. Be a driver. Um, I think just making sure that that's always my thing. I think with, with when I have final thoughts on something is take control of what you can take control of um, because we can't control a lot of other things. And so if there's one thing that you can it's yourself um, and just, you know, take care of yourself as much as you can. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) You You for having me. Literally always, Um, you know, you're one of my faves. Anywho. All right. Let's sign off because I do Mm -hmm. have to give you from my past week. So, okay. Bye Bye, y'all. Thank you. (laughs) 